Welcome to the Visionaries Podcast, sponsored by Alchemy. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. The Visionaries Podcast shines a light on financial institutions at the cutting edge of digital transformation, providing with the tips and tricks to elevate your digital game, no matter what size your organization is. Differentiation in the banking industry is not easy, especially for a credit union with only $400 million in assets and only five branches. Seaport Credit Union, headed in Portland, Maine, has found that providing advanced digital services and serving the community in unique ways is the key to building a strong brand, supporting a powerful culture, and delivering continued growth. My guest on the Visionaries podcast today is Ashley Simmons, the Director of Digital Experience at Seaport Credit Union. We discuss how Seaport uses five core values as the foundation and guide to stand out in a very crowded marketplace. Seaport Credit Union was founded in 1931 as a Federal Employees Credit Union of Maine. Using five core values as a guide, Seaport delivers the best possible financial experiences to members with a high level of personalized service, modern banking technology, and a commitment to give back to their communities. So Ashley, before we discuss what makes Seaport Credit Union unique, can you share a little bit about your rather extensive financial services background and how your past experiences really prepared you for the role you have now? Yeah, absolutely. So when I got into banking, I started as a teller. I was a part-time teller specifically, and I really worked my way from the ground up. There's not too many roles that I haven't had in consumer or business banking. I've worked at large financial institutions in the country. I've gone to more community-based financial institutions, including the one that I'm at now. So I have a very well-rounded experience from top to bottom. It's not hard for me to see how things look like from a teller or a banker's perspective or a back office operations person. It gives me a very unique 3D view to see how everything is playing out from start to finish. I can understand things better from the member's perspective. I can see how things can flow negatively or positively based off of what we decide to do from a leadership perspective. And then eventually I got into the digital side of banking, which I've I've always wanted to do. I've been on various projects at other community banks, and I've really dived into that role. It's the future of banking, and I'm so excited to be in this role to support members in the same way digitally as I would when I started in person as a teller. You know, it's interesting when you talk about your background, it, it brings back memory for me because I started in the financial institution right out of university and started as a teller, was in a management training program. So I worked up the organizational chain, but also worked around the organization. I worked in lending. I worked in customer care. I worked in marketing. And that's where I pretty much ended that part of my career at my first bank I was at. But then as I went further on in my career, it is amazing, and you referenced it lightly, is that how much you remember about those days as a teller, how much you remember about that back office time, how much you remember about what how people felt in those different areas. And I would imagine as you work in a smaller organization and you have to really help a lot of people that are very close to you from an organizational chain base, because you don't have 10 layers, is how you can apply what you've learned in the past towards what other people are doing within your organization. So within Seaport, 
How do you try to make it so that Seaport stands apart from your competition? I mean, obviously, it's a very busy marketplace, a lot going on. And Seaport is one of many financial institution choices customers have. How do you try to differentiate Seaport from other choices? We really have a member-centric approach, and that phrase gets thrown around a little bit. Uh, but what it means for us is every problem that may arise or concern a member has, it's priority number one to us. It doesn't matter if it's happening to one person or a hundred people. It gets the same attention. We get the same results for them. It's important for us that what concerns they have, they're heard. We want to also be there to support them as well throughout that journey. And I think because we are such a member-centric approach credit union, that resonates throughout the community. So we offer a suite of digital products and we offer support in various different ways and just making the member feel that they are the most important and that we value them and we value their membership. That goes a long way in setting us apart because a lot of the times things that come to even my desk from the digital front, you know, if it's happening to one person, it gets brushed off. It doesn't, you know, matter. They're doing something wrong. It's just one person. We don't look at it that way. We look at it as, you know, we need to get this person up and running. This person needs support or there's a need that we need to take care of um, for them. And we always want to deliver prompt service and support whenever it's needed. So during your two years almost at Seaport, what accomplishments are you most proud of during that time at a time really actually in banking that probably the most difficult time we faced? I, I think it's actually more difficult than COVID having to do with the economic situation we're in. So what things, if you look back, are you most proud of? I think we're most proud of just being resilient. You know, when the pandemic kicked off, a lot of, I mean, not just outside outside of financial institutions, a lot of businesses were concerned. How are they going to be operational? How we were going to adapt in this new environment? And Seaport really embraced those changes. You know, we were ready for remote work before the pandemic kicked off. Our CEO, Gene, um, even for snow days, you know, here in Maine, they can they can ha- <laughs> they can happen. We don't want to shut the branches down and make people feel like they can't reach out to our member service representatives. So Gene was sort of ahead of the game by saying, all right, we need to have a system set up where if people are needed, if members need support, we need to still be support. Snow days don't matter to us. We're still going to show up for our member base. So we were really ready for that. Um, once the pandemic hit to get everyone set at home up operational seaport still functional as if nothing's really changed, you know, aside from obviously if you came to the branch, you had to use the drive through. Uh, but during that time, too, we saw a lot of opportunities internally that we needed to fill. I mean, we've grown since the pandemic as well, too. While other people have sort of hunkered down, we've added roles, we've added people. We've grown our staff. We've really seen the need to have more people available than before. So, I mean, we've just been very resilient and we embrace the challenges that the pandemic gave us. So it's interesting. I've been very fortunate. I've met over 200 bankers and credit union executives over the last two years, one-on-one. And invariably, my very first question to every one of them has been, what 
is your biggest challenge right now. And without an exception, I mean, it's insane how consistent this is. The banks and credit union executives say, I don't have time. You know, there's just so much to do. I have a hard time just keeping pace with what the change is as opposed to moving forward. How do you, as a leader at Seaport, move the needle? How do you get things done when, you know, there's so much on the to-do list? That's a very interesting phrase. I, I don't like to say I don't have time and I actively work not to say that. You know, there's so much on any leader's plate in the day-to-day and it's seasons, you know, nothing is ever not important, but things change based off the day I operate on, you know, that priority quadrant and things change throughout the day and you're constantly shape-shifting off of what the needs are. So for me, whatever becomes top priority is always going to be something member centric. You know, if we're planning things out, that can kind of take a backseat if it's needed, but it comes down to communication and leading by example, delegating at times too. A lot of the times of project management, I think leaders, sometimes we get worked up that we have to do everything, but collaborating with the team and relying on them for support too helps things get done as a group. I mean, there is no sole leader here at Seaport getting any one thing done. Everything is a collaborative, engaging effort. And when you do those things too, it empowers other people. It makes, you know, when you bring someone from a different department or even your own department onto a project, it empowers them. And when you see what they can deliver and can contribute to whatever task is on hand, it becomes less of, oh, this is something I have to get done to like, this is really moving in a positive direction. We're getting things done. We're working as a team. It changes the morale. So just really leading by example and empowering others, and then the results will follow. So that's what what I do personally here in the day-to-day. You talked about collaboration and partnership internally, but we were talking before the podcast started about you know, how exciting and how dynamic the collab event was with Alchemy. And one of the things that was one of the highlights I had was how much people are using the partnership and collaboration potential with companies like Alchemy to do things that they wouldn't be able to do themselves, especially a small organization that you really depend on these collaborations and these partnerships to move forward at speed and scale. How do you use collaborators in outside your organization to create better experiences for members? Yeah, I mean, Alchemy is the perfect partnership for that. You know, Alchemy is not just providing us an online banking portal for you to check your balances. They're introducing us to other vendors, other companies, enhancements, and it makes a difference in the day-to-day. So we're not scourging the internet for what things we can add on to our digital platform. You know, Alchemy provides this Rolodex of vendors that we can choose from. I mean, they've introduced us to Savvy Money. They've introduced us uh, to various different P2P companies, ways to enhance uh, loan payments or just payments in general in this FedNow RTP space. Uh, without that partnership, it would be a little more difficult, you know, absolutely. And knowing that Alchemy has these preferred vendors that they work with, it makes it easier for us to go through our due diligence process. It makes it easier for us to figure out what's best for our member 
in this time right now, but also for the future too. And knowing that it's going to work well with our online banking has made that decision-making a lot more seamless than it would be without them. You know, as you mentioned, to be able to not only work with a company like Alchemy, but then to also know that partners have been vetted that can bring you good solutions, but you have a comfort level internally that says, I don't have to do as much vetting because I'm already vetted our primary partner and, you know, Savvy Money and all the other partnerships that, that Alchemy has and other organizations similar to Alchemy. It really makes that job easier to get going quicker. And especially at a time, you know, as, as we know, when we had some organizations fail and fintech firms were challenged in many cases to make payroll, to stay in existence, and to know that a partner is out there keeping track of how their partnerships are going. I mean, it's so important to have that that comfort level because you don't have a deep depth of people that can scurry about and do that. You've got to depend on others to do that. So, you know, one thing that I referenced in our introduction was the five core values from Seaport. Can you describe the five core values and also how these values become a guiding principle for basically everything you do at Seaport? Yeah. So our five core values are character, confidence, uh, cooperation, remaining current, and community. Breaking those down, you know, character is we're going to treat you honestly and with respect, dignity, and fairness. You know, everything we do when we make decisions, it's for the benefit of you. We weigh what repercussions are if they exist for our members. Truly, that that's the heart of everything we do. We are a financially strong financial institution, and our goal and our responsibility is to generate that that long-term value that comes with being strong and being relevant and being a support group for our members. We value our relationship with our members. Like I said before, if something is a problem for one member, it's a big deal. It's all eyes on it. So we, we use that um, at the heart of everything we do. It, it matters to us. And I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, we work to be cutting edge. I mean, we were the first in Maine to bring mobile deposit when other people, it wasn't even a thing. I mean, I know when I started in banking too, you know, over 10 years ago, I mean, when you did a transfer online, it took like three days to kick in. So it's, it's interesting to see the changes from then and now. Um, so staying relevant and we're not afraid to make big changes when they're right for our members, like mobile deposit. RDC wasn't really a thing in this area, and, but we were the first, this small credit union was the first place to do it. And then community. We really care about the community that, that we're in. We're heavily involved in the immigrant community, the new Mainer community um, that comes here in Maine. And we see a lot of value in uh, getting them financially up to speed. You know, when you're coming from a different country, the financial system could be radically different there. You're, you're in a new country. Um, it can be really overwhelming. And I think a lot of people would, you know, maybe turn their nose up at that at the time and effort it, it, it goes into getting them established while they come to the United States. And we just saw that as an opportunity to help them and help them with financial literacy. So we're, we're heavily involved um, in that here in Maine as well. 
thrilled to take a short night to sponsor this podcast, Alchemy Technologies. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Welcome back to the Fissionaries Podcast, sponsored by Alchemy Technology. I've worked in the financial service industry my whole career, one side or another, reviewing it or analyzing it. And it's interesting. Every organization has a mission statement. Every organization has a a core value statement. Every organization has things they put on paper or sometimes put online. But you go, geez, you know, how often does that get referred to and saying, are we living to that? How do you do that at Seaport? Because the benefit you have is that you're a small organization. And as a result, if somebody steps out of line on one of those, you can come to them right away. But but still it takes top leadership to continually refer to that. How does Seaport make it so those core values are more than just something on paper or something on a website? You have to lead by example. And I I know I've said that before, but you have to, when you're engaging with your teams, when we are troubleshooting something or thinking about something in the future, you know, obviously we're having conversations of how things are going to work on the back end and those connectivity and core questions. But another thing that comes up is what makes sense From the member perspective, how are members using this? We just need to constantly put ourselves in their shoes. And I do that every day with my team. And after a while, when you start posing those questions and you start asking your team those questions, they start thinking of that and they start thinking differently. And they're the ones now coming back and saying, you know, I've thought of this happened. I was thinking this but the benefits is this and the cons is this from the member perspective. You know, maybe something could be clunky. Maybe something doesn't have a high chance of working. So we really try to think of really God's eye view of what something is going to be like for the member from the member's perspective. So that's important for us every single day. Trying to keep pace with all the changes happening in financial services is almost impossible. It's very difficult having to keep pace as a smaller financial institution is magnified because you can't do everything. You have to pick and choose what you do. How do you personally, and how does the organization as a whole prioritize what you do next? Because again, you can get overwhelmed by the scope of things that we all think we should do. And you have to pick and choose. How do you and how does Seaport prioritize? Like I said earlier, it comes down to really seasons of how things change, what's important. But when it comes to prioritizing certain projects, what is the need of our members? What does the industry say that consumers are needing? Maybe our market hasn't quite adapted to something yet, but what is the potential of it in the future? The likelihood that this service is going to be needed by our members, maybe not right now, maybe not next week, but what about the next year or two or three years out? What are those needs going to be and what are, what is that going to look like? So that really takes precedence over what, what we do and how quickly we can get those implemented. Because when it comes down to it, 
as long as you have a plan, you can get anything done. So that's how we operate. If we set our eyes on something that's needed for our members and that benefits them in the long run, maybe sometimes they don't always see it. Maybe it's just an internal efficiency that can make communication better. We talk about it, we work on a plan, and we get it done. So we're constantly shifting from one thing to the next and getting one task done and moving on to the next. There's always work to do because there's always efficiencies to be had, and there's always something we can do better for our members. Looking back over the last two years, but looking back even to this year, what is the most recent innovation, maybe not innovation, but improvement you've made that has made banking better for your members? Give me an example of one of the priorities that you've actually implemented against. So there's a couple I can think of off the top of my head, but uh, one of the big undertakings that I have and actively work on on the day-to-day is making sure that when people come to Seaport that they're adopting to our digital bank, where they're signing up for online banking. Um, Believe it or not, that sounds like a no-brainer, I think, to a lot of people, but for some people, it's not. Um, There is a sector of people who maybe don't value or understand the value of online banking. So growing that as a financial literacy component, that this is, you know, how you need to pay attention to your accounts. Now it's back in the day, you know, maybe you would have, you know, the envelope method for savings account, or you would sit at the counter and balance your checkbook out, showing people how they can do those tasks digitally and the importance of it and how easy it is to log into their online banking, how accessible it is. You know, maybe you're hundreds of miles away, but hey, this is what you can do. You can still transfer your money. You can still put stop payments on. If you're a business, you can still do wires. Explaining our features to members is one of the most important thing I think anybody could do so they know they're there because a lot of the times places will add features on and just not talk about it. You know, you have to talk them up. You have to make sure there's getting adoption on it, but they have to see the value of it too. So a lot of the times when calls come in on certain things, you know, can you do this? Like address updates, simple things like that. Did you know you can do that online? A a lot of people don't think to look for those things. So just constantly advocating for our online banking platform and letting people know that they have these changes at their fingertips is very important um, to me, but also to our members to know that not only can you come visit us in person, you can call us, but we're also just a couple clicks away if you need us. So there's a lot of adoption. And and I really do believe that is a big component of financial literacy that gets missing because I think in a digital age, financial literacy needs a revamp. Uh, We need to talk about it a lot differently. You know, when I was in the third grade, someone from the bank down the street would come with the passbook and sign you up and that was that was kind of it they didn't even teach how to use it yeah it, it's really changed you know with how fast things post to your account or maybe sometimes don't you know what i mean like think about sometimes you go to get gas they charge you a dollar and it doesn't hit your account till three days later understanding what that looks like from an online banking side you know and how to balance it digitally if you will so those real basics that low-hanging fruit uh, is a really important piece of driving your driving your culture, driving your engagement with members, and just getting them to see the value of the tools that we've invested in. You said that so well, because when we think digital, a lot of times we put together a digital solution, 
and we figure that people will figure it out. We make them extraordinarily easy, and we make them very engaging. But the reality is, and you said it so well, that not everybody gets it. Not everybody can look at what you've provided and say, what else does this touch? Because it's not, they're not linear. It's not a product that stands on its own in many cases. Even the checking account, opening of a, a, a checking account digitally by itself sounds linear, but it touches so many other products and services. And what you use the word in the last sentence, the word engagement. We sometimes think that when we do it digitally, it can be easy and it can be efficient. That's entirely true. But if we don't make it also engaging, if we don't try to reach out to our members or our customers in a way that says, we want to stay engaged. And at that point, this big light bulb went off in my head that said, when somebody has just opened up or started using a brand new service, if we don't use that opportunity to really deeply engage with the customer and member, we've lost an amazing opportunity, not just for that product, but for the takeaway from the member or customer that says, oh, they want to have this engagement. You know, one thing I found interesting on your website, you have a lot of content on a number of subjects. They're not press releases necessarily. There's some that talk about your involvement in the community, but there's a lot of things in there about how to how to manage your relationship with your organization, things of this nature. And that's part of that engagement as well. And I, I think you said it really well that, that we sometimes forget that not everyone's going to get it. And not just that, they may not see the expanded nature of what they've just done. I, I think that's excellent. And it, and it really does play against what we sometimes think is a digital engagement, where we think it's clean, it's simple, it's easy, it's on, it's off, it's done. It shouldn't be, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of services out there. Taking that last question a little bit differently about what you've recently done, just as importantly as what have you recently avoided? So in other words, you, you talked about in a, in a pre-call about the fact that you can't always go after the next shiny object. You can't just do it because it's out there and because it's innovative. How do you determine what not to do? Because you can't, you know, the, the same answer saying, well, we don't know if our customers want it. That doesn't play well because the reality is sometimes they don't know what they will need in the future. And you have a better view on that. How do you determine what not to do? That is something you discover. I don't think what not to do comes up always right away, right? You know, uh, 10 years ago, or well, not 10 years ago, way more than 10 years ago, uh, when Seaport brought a mobile deposit, it made sense. Because it was a way that people could get their money into their account quickly, even without being at the branch or depositing it at the ATM. So we embrace being new when it makes sense. But when it doesn't make sense either, especially I think the space right now is with faster payments. You know, there's a suite of products that you can do so you can transfer money to someone, whether it's P2P or A2A. But does it make sense from a fraud side? We are in a space where those transactions can be risky and we're not going to just add something in just because we can say we have something faster. We need to make sure that our members are sending their money in a secure way 
that makes sense for them. So a lot of the times when we back down from something that says no, at this day and age, anyone can really transfer money. That's not new. Um, You can send money to via debit cards or directly to your bank. That's not new. You can make loan payments via your debit card. I mean, all of these things are now standard. So what really changes it is how much faster can it go? But we're not willing to put something in a a much more faster pace if there's a potential risk that our members could be exploited. So that's something that factors into our decision-making when when we're doing these a lot is is really the change in fraud. I I believe that that would change that drastically. You've been named a best place to work in Maine. That is really important, especially today when getting employees is so difficult. But How do you make Seaport better and a better place to work? That's a question I'm I'm happy to answer. And everyone has a voice here. You know, we have a strong emphasis on fostering, you know, leadership qualities. We strive on open communication and we encourage everyone to voice their thoughts and opinions. You know, we believe in the power of feedback from each and every person at Seaport, which again, given our size, you know, as opposed to a bigger financial institution, this can happen a lot more effectively. Our success lies in the creation of a culture that values and welcomes contributions from individuals. You know, we've discovered that a lot of our best ideas and feedback come from people who aren't even in our department. Remarkable ideas are not exclusively confined to a select group of leaders. While they certainly can generate from us, as they should, leaders should drive innovation. They should drive some of your best ideas. But we have a greater chance of generating a variety of ideas by venturing on the confines of your standard leadership team. You know, everyone matters here. We hold Uh, routine department meetings, all employee meetings. It's important for us that we create lines of communication between departments and partner with each other very well. It is not difficult here at Seaport to feel involved or feel like you, you know, can't voice something because you can. And we encourage that on a daily basis. I mean, I even for our digital banking space, I encourage people to message me or email me with an idea or maybe something that doesn't make sense that could be better on maybe a different product they even saw at another financial institution or a way to create a new one that's just for Seaport. Those are all welcomed. You know, emailing me with ideas is an amazing thing. And I will follow back up with that too. So it's not just dropping an idea in a box and okay, you've done your part. We're following up. We're talking with you about it. Maybe something doesn't work. Maybe we can't do things just because the government says we can't. You know, those sorts of things. We're following back up with them and letting them know we we heard their thoughts. Um, maybe it's going forward. Maybe maybe we can't do it for X, Y, Z reason. But it's an engaging process. It's not just a share your thought card drop box. You know, it's an ongoing thing that we have here. Every employee in the world today, doesn't matter what they're doing, doesn't matter what industry they're in, is concerned about how is the future going to impact their livelihood? In other words, you know, how's that digital aspiration over here as a bank or a credit union going to impact my job, which I consider to be, in many ways, non-digital? How does, how does things like ChatGPT, how do other things going to put my job at risk. And as a result, every employee, 
every industry, everywhere, is concerned about their personal future. How do you at Seaport prepare your legacy employees, some of which you've been there decades, how do you prepare them for the digital future and let them know that they are part of that future? Well, I mean, we just had, you know, we've had a few meetings about this, but in one of our all-employee meetings that that sort of same, not exact conversation around chat GPT, but sort of came up with just everything that's going on in the economy. I mean, at one point it was like, anytime I opened the news, it was like, this company is doing a mass layoff. And I think during those times when you see constant headlines of mass layoffs followed by, hey, this AI can do the job of five people. Not a good mix. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it's it's not a good mix at all. And it asks a lot of questions, but I mean, no one's going anywhere here at Seaport. You know, AI is a very powerful feature, but it's a feature that enhances how we integrate with our, our, how we interact, excuse me, with our members, not how we replace employees. There is no way that dynamic would change because we need them on the back end because AI too is, the other thing people forget is, you know, ChatGPT is just in its very early phase of where, I mean, in the future, it's going to kick off more, but you can ask chat GPT something right now, and it has quite a lot of errors. So right now, too, there is a human component that is needed. There's also a human component that's needed to analyze what's coming in and how people are using certain products and taking in that really deep dive analytical view. And what does that mean for the long run. And people will always be behind that and driving that force here. We are proud to have digital offerings and have people accessible to us at our fingertips. But we also pride ourselves on a human approach. I mean, how many times when you go to call in someplace where you get hit with that robotic operator and you're just pounding the zero button until you get somebody, people still want a human to interact with. And That's not going away, I think, anytime in the near future. So when it comes to that, it's something you have to wait to see. But from our standpoint, it's not affecting anybody here and nobody's nobody's going anywhere. So we need our staff and they're more valuable than AI is or could be to us right now. So, Ashley, it's interesting. We None of us have a crystal ball, and Lord knows none of us can determine the future because it always, it fakes us out almost every time. But you're working on some things right now for a seaport, I'm sure. Some things that are going to make banking better for your members. What is on the horizon, the short-term horizon, the next, let's say, year that your members can look forward to seeing or your employees can look forward to seeing that you're working on? Yeah, uh, members can look forward to a more streamlined way of chatting with us. You know, right now, what the one thing I think the pandemic taught anybody is people need multiple lines of communication to reach out to you. And one of the things that we didn't have here at the kickoff of the pandemic is a live chat box. And that's something that we're actually looking to integrate because those virtual chat box, I mean, at the same time, just like when you're clicking zero, zero to get a hold of someone, people, people do that with virtual chat boxes. Like, yes, they can answer some basic questions, but at the end of the day, somebody wants another person on the other side of it. I know for me, I like those a lot better than calling in because I can multitask a lot better without having to dedicate my time and resource to one communication channel. And that's going to change a lot of how on the back end, right, that we we chat with members. I think there's going to be a different approach 
but it's going to be a little more seamless too, because then we're also going to be able to generate some more data of what our members are writing in about, right? I mean, call volumes, you want to get someone just like you would in a chat, you want to get their problem solved quickly, but then off the phone to the next person too. And I think the growing digital age in which we communicate with people is going to open a lot of doors for us uh, or any financial institution and how they interact with their members. So while it's shifting, it's still not changing. So it's going to be a more seamless and different approach that I think anyone on our Seaport team is, is really looking forward to on how we can grow with our members as the digital age grows as well. So Ashley, as my last question, it's interesting. Only 10 financial institutions can be in the top 10. There are thousands of organizations that are smaller than the top 10. And, and actually, there's thousands that are at what I'll say the community size, size of, of Seaport. From your perspective, and having worked at different size organizations, what recommendation do you give leaders that are in your position, trying to build better experiences, trying to build better employee engagement, trying to also show that leadership is got an eye in the future? What one recommendation would you give leaders in your position at other organizations going forward? Change is constant. You know, what made sense yesterday might not make sense today. Again, at the heart of everything you do, it's it's the members. You know, what makes sense for them? And just because something doesn't work anymore, I think sometimes as leaders we can take, I mean, it's a humanistic thing to take things personally when you invest time and effort into doing something, but the seasons change and that's not the case anymore. Being adaptive and having your finger on the pulse uh, for what's going on in your, not just community too, but in your market. So you, you have to pay attention to not only what's going on in your community, but maybe what changes are happening elsewhere. I mean, you can even look to Europe to see how their banking is because they're in a different, you know, they're a little ahead of us in some other areas. And eventually that's going to come back here. So being open to, or just thinking about what that means for your company, what that means for your employees, what that means for your members, and just being ready to embrace change and talk about change too, right? I think a lot of the times um, where leaders go wrong when new changes happen, it just is abruptly communicated. You have to make sure everyone's on board with everything that's happening. So being ready for changes and being ready to communicate changes too. Challenges, I think itself can sound like a negative word, but it, it's a very, it's an opportunistic word too for something different and to pave a new way. So just always being ready and open, open to whatever the future holds is the best advice. Ashley, this has been a joy. This is really fun. These interviews for Fissionaries podcast are always good because it brings you back to earth as to what really is going on, you know, close to the street. And every person I interview has a, a ear to the ground as to what they have to do. And really a, a really aspirational view, as you mentioned, of what can be done. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed our discussion. Thanks for listening to Visionaries Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to elevate your digital game. If you enjoyed the episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with your coworkers and friends in the industry. Also, share it on social media and also give us a thumbs up if you can. 
This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, and our audio and video engineer, Chris Fafalius. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, knowing your why is a strong foundation for growth and community engagement. 